Welcome to the Retro Photo Film Podcast, where we break down 50 years of film and digital photography with a true Renaissance man. Grab your favorite darkroom snack. It's time to talk photography with your host, Al Tallene. Welcome to Retro Photo Film Podcast. I'm Al. Last week we talked about trains, and that was in Ely, Nevada, small little town. We're going to jump all the way across the world, 6,000 miles away, and go to Berlin, Germany. And we're going to go also back in time to 1990. In 1989, as the communistic era was coming down, the wall was coming down, everything was happening in December, as it started to fall apart, I realized this is something that I wanted to see. This is something that I wanted to be a part of, not so much to help it come down, but just to be there because this was one of the most significant history-making things in my time. So I thought, got to do this. So what I did was started immediately figuring out how I could pull this off. I was an instructor at the University of Utah, and I thought, you know what? I could take and have this be one of my classes. So first thing I did was went to the university, powers to be, and said, can I take this and make this into a class and have this be a gigantic field trip to to Berlin, Germany, and around the Eastern European countries? Of course, it hadn't been done like this kind of extensive things for classes, but they said, okay, let's look into it. Find out if you can attract the students to get as many as you need to fill a class, and let's see if it works. I immediately went to my classes that I was already teaching, basic, advanced, and announced that I was putting this together and asked people who wanted to go. Well, of course, I had like 75 people wanting to go. So what I had to do was make out a form that was an application for people who wanted to go and let them know how much experience it was going to be so they could afford it. After I went through that process with these students, I picked out 22 of them who could go. That was enough money to pay for all the tickets to get a travel company to say, okay, we got a group of 22 flying over there, flying back, and we could get decent prices for the tickets. Actually, if you think about it, the prices were fabulous. It cost us only $500 a person to fly over and come back. (laughs) Of course, it was in March, so it was low tourist season. The extra money that they needed was about $300 to pay for all the rooms that we were renting on our journey, and then whatever money they wanted to spend on food and trinkets and fun stuff. So still, it was a pretty inexpensive trip. Well, I got together with these students, and I picked out the 22 And we started mapping out where we wanted to go. We decided we would go to Frankfurt because that was the best price to get us to Europe. And then we would fly back out of Frankfurt in 14 days. So we mapped out this journey where we were going to go and started the whole process. From there, what I needed to do was contact each one of the cities that we were going to be staying in overnight and finding out if I could find rooms that we could rent in motels, hotels, youth hostels. We preferred youth hostels because they were much less expensive. How this was all done was by phone calls, middle of the night, talking to places in Europe eight hours away. Also, by fax and teletype. 
Most of the countries didn't have fax, so teletype worked, and I found myself using one of those. But most of it was phone calls. The most important part that I had to stress to the students was the fact that this was not a vacation. This was a photo opportunity of a lifetime, but not a vacation where we're going to be staying in nice hotels, motels, great places. I said many times, we might even be sleeping in the vans that we are renting because I can't get rooms in all of the countries and all the cities that we were going into. So I made sure that they knew that's what was going to happen going into this. We kind of had to be prepared to <laughs> sleep anywhere, be anywhere, and wear anything. I, we did not take any really nice, fancy clothes with us. I asked everyone to take street clothes that would blend in anywhere, and especially not to wear lots of American flag clothes because we're going into uh, Eastern European countries that were under communistic rule. And so we didn't want to flash around, wow, we are Americans. It was kind of flashy enough that we were driving around in brand new 1990 vans during that time. But still, I had our clothes to be kind of subdued. The next thing that I did was I contacted Kodak. I had a really good Kodak rep here in Salt Lake City who was a friend of mine. And I said, could you talk and find out to the Kodak base and see if they could fund the film for this project. Because that's a lot of film. A lot of students, 22 students, plus myself, that made 23. So we approached Kodak and said, okay, there's 23 people who need film. And if we had 30 rolls of film apiece, that would be close to 700 rolls of film that you would donate to us. They did. They funded that, and we got these huge boxes of film. And one night in my office, we sat down with everybody and divided out all the film. Most of it was in black and white. There were a few, well, I can't say a few. I don't know how many rolls of color we actually had. But we shot slides and black and white film. A lot of it was 3,200, 400. I don't remember what the ISO was on the color slide film. But that was really a marvelous, wonderful thing for Kodak to do that for us. I had most of the students apply for and get international driver's licenses. Most most of them had never driven anywhere in Europe, so they had no idea what was going on anyway, or reading all the signs. But we did have one person in the group who spoke German. We did have two people who spoke Spanish, one person who spoke Chinese, and myself, I spoke Swedish. Now, that didn't help out a whole lot, but we had some bilingual people with us. When we landed in Frankfurt, we found the three vans that we were to take and uh, headed off the first city. We had a place to stay in was Nuremberg. We went there and got there that night, and it was a castle, which was really awesome, and was converted into a youth hostel. And that was really great. We went out that night and were shooting pictures of night shots of Nuremberg. And then the next day we got up and went out to photograph the sites of Nuremberg. And one of the lead vans was driving us through trying to get us to the Autobahn. And they got us into the middle of a marketplace. And the market was filled with hundreds of people shopping and buying their goods. And here come three vans 
coming through, plowing through this, not really plowing through, just coming through going, where the heck are we? After a lot of screaming and yelling in German at us, we got the vans turned around and got them out. We even went down a wrong one-way street to get into there. And we got out, parked the cars and went back and photographed the marketplace. Once we left there, we went straight to Berlin. We got to Berlin and when we got there, the hotel that I had made arrangements with said, oh, we're really full up and we only have two rooms. I'm like, oh, we have 23 students. Well, you can only put so many in a room. So a few of us slept in the van that night and it was kind of a little chilly, but it worked out okay. The next day we got up and we went to a flea market. I don't know if we really planned on doing it. We just happened onto this flea market that was huge. I mean, it was acres and acres. And there was thousands of people there shopping and buying. Everybody was laying everything out on their blankets. Very few of them had tables, but they were selling everything in the world that you wanted to buy was there. I would say probably that 70 to 80% of these were refugees that were coming in from other countries and selling their goods. I could have bought a whole East German uniform if I wanted to, but I only bought the hat. Now, it was raining that day, and so the field where they had this big market was all mud. They just laid their blankets down, went about their business. It was great. So that night, I did find us a new hotel to where we got to stay. Everybody had rooms. And then the next morning was when we got up and headed to the wall. We went to the Bandenberg Gate. That's the place that we wanted to be. So you'll notice that in the photograph, everyone is using an umbrella because, again, it was another rainy day. But rainy days or bad weather days actually produce really nice images. So it was fun. Uh, everything, you can just look at the photograph, and it was very dramatic to see everybody walking around. And the interesting part was that at the flea market, there were thousands of people. But here at the Brandenburg Gate, it was just a few hundred people. You'll notice it's black and white. I shot mostly black and white. Each city, I think I shot maybe one roll of slides. But I like the black and white. That's been my favorite all of my life. The wall in the background that you see, people were hammering with big hammers, sledgehammers, and chisels and chunking off pieces of the wall. If you had one, you just walked up and started hammering and knocking off the wall. There really wasn't anybody in charge, so you could kind of do what you wanted. But when you got up close, if you didn't have a hammer and you wanted to use one, there were lots of great entrepreneurial Germans who had sledgehammers and chiseled. And so for five bucks American dollars, you could rent it for 15 minutes and then chip off all you wanted in that 15 minutes. And they had a little stopwatch and timed you. And I chopped off 50 pounds, including <laughs> cement, rocks, and even a piece of eucalyptus tree, which still had the eucalyptus smell to it. And yes, I did pack that 50 pounds of rock, the Berlin Wall, back home with me in a suitcase. I bought a special suitcase for it. And at the airport, when we were going through, the guy picked up the suitcase and he said, what do you got in here, rocks? And I laughed at him and said, of course I do. Yeah, I've got rocks in there. The whole thing is rocks. Now, this is before x-ray and before all those things and before weight. So I got to actually bring them all back home. After spending the morning 
at the wall. We then, uh, that evening, we went across from West Berlin into East Berlin. We went to Checkpoint Charlie, too, but we went into East Berlin, spent the evening in East Berlin, and then came back. You'll see in my other posters some photographs of the wall that has been hammered out, and you can see no man's land. You can see apartments in the East Berlin sector through this big hole in the wall. This is where I was using Kodak's 3200 film to record all of this great nighttime stuff that was going on. I did have a tripod too, but I used that film. The adrenaline rush from being at that part of history, the wall where people were shot and killed for escaping over it, and seeing that big gaping hole in it was like a magnificent thing, but it was like, wow, this is such an amazing thing. We were like on a high all day long, all night long. We did stay in Berlin again that night, and the next morning we got up and we headed off to Leipzig, Germany, again still in East Germany, and we crossed over the border and got in, but we weren't in East Berlin. We were just in East Germany. And the Leipzig experience was just great. What we did do and what we were trying to accomplish all through the Eastern Bloc area was to visit photographers who had been taking pictures during this time and to museums or to schools and photo hobby clubs because there were a lot of those in Europe. I had each one of my students before we left pack about 10 or 15 of their favorite 8x10 prints to exchange with students as we went through Europe. And also, we packed a lot of touristy goodies that we could trade and give to people from the state of Utah and from Salt Lake City. It actually was a lot of fun because one of the borders that we went through, I think was in Poland, the only way we got out of Poland was to bribe them. We bribed them with a calendar. We asked them, you want money? And they were like, they saw this calendar and they said, no, we want that. And they pointed to the calendar. And that's how we got out of Poland, <laughs> was by bribing the border guards with the calendar. This is a long story. So next week, actually, on next Friday, I will continue with part two of the what we called this was Project Discovery. As our second round, I will talk about Leipzig and going into Poland, then from there to Czechoslovakia. So... Tune in again next Friday. I hope you've had a good time listening to what's been going on and the crazy part of this whole journey. You have been listening to the Retro Photo Film Podcast. Follow Al on Instagram at Retro Photo Film to see all his latest photos and learn more about the stories behind the photos.